It's time for the Afternoon Drive. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Freddie Jackson, and Jason uh, is not with us today, of course. Uh, Jason got married over the weekend, and uh, he's on some island somewhere with his uh, new wife, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jason Sheehan. Uh, congratulations and uh, many, many years of uh, happy marriage. Hey, Jason, he might be listening. I know he's on the beach somewhere. What's going on, Jason? What's up, man? We miss you, and we, uh, we'll be glad when you get back, all right? I'm Freddie Jackson, and uh, our sponsor today is Raymond James Financial Service. They can assist with, with retirement savings, assets, IRAs, and more. Simplify your financial life. Contact financial advisor Edwin Fox. His number, 896-0084. That's 896-0084. Raymond James Financial Service. And our newest sponsor, uh, are you ready for some football? We'll stop by O-Line Sports Grill that's at 2813 North Hurstbourne at West Park. That's right near Walgreens. Every Tuesday, burgers are only $3.99, and that includes fries. That's all day long. Kids are always welcome in their family-friendly atmosphere. That's O-Line Sports Grill, 2813 North Hurstbourne at Westport Road. And sitting in with me today is our uh Primary sponsor, Mr. Edwin Fox. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing outstanding, Freddie. I'm right. glad you invited me today to be with you. I'm glad you were able to make it, man. Uh, briefly, before we go into sports, uh, let everybody know what type of service that you have. Well, like I say, uh, I am a financial advisor for Raymond James. Uh, been a financial advisor 15 years. We do everything from uh, retirement planning to uh, uh, IRAs to uh, setting up 401ks, Roth's account, uh, setting up SEPs accounts for mm-hmm. small business owners, okay. uh, college education, and, and that's a biggie, Freddie, right now. Okay. You know, I got two kids in college, one's at Bellarmine and one's at uh, UK, Okay, and I never thought it was going to cost that much. I would definitely, if you are planning or have a child that you're planning to go to college, you definitely need to think about Setting aside mm-hmm. fifty to a hundred dollars a month today, mm-hmm. uh, I just I spent seventeen hundred, almost eighteen hundred dollars for books last week. Wow, eighteen hundred, eighteen hundred dollars for both my children. One's at Bellarmine, and he's okay. a senior. And thank God he's getting ready to come out next okay. year. Okay, and then my daughter, she's at UK. I was shocked, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, these are the services, and also other services I focus on having people pay down debt. Okay, is nothing better than getting out of debt, and that's that's a free service I do. So. Okay. You know, are, are just strategies for reducing your debt. All of these are components. And mm-hmm. also we do uh, trust. You want to set up a trust, we uh-huh. can assist you with estate planning on a trust. Uh, we do that too. So, you know, we do all uh, varieties of financial planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just starts with a call at my office, 502-896-0084, free consultation. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you can take a look on the website. Uh, Raymond James was rated number one by Forbes magazine over the last few years. Uh, and we work closely with understanding the needs of our clients and, and everything we talk about is totally confidential. Edwin, um, 
our listening audience, some of the listeners may not have dealt with a financial uh, planner or before or advisor. How how would they know if they actually need one? Well, you you know, some of the challenges right now uh, in America is is having what I call uh, financial stability. Okay. And 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 when I say financial stability, just the ability to pay your bills. Mm-hmm. Then at the same time, uh, you're gonna have to plan for retirement. And and a lot of people don't realize that you know even at age 65. Uh, right now, the life expectancy is, is another 19 years. Mm-hmm. So we talking about 85 to 95 right now. As I, we speaking a minute ago, I got a auntie that's 102. Yeah, you were and, telling me that. And then uh, her son is 84. So you know, you really do need to think about having a financial advisor have advise you with working with your 401k, which I do that free of charge, you know, looking at your portfolio, mm-hmm. reviewing that if you're in a 401k, 403b, 457. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you need a, a retirement advisor just to assist you with that. And then also looking at uh, having a individual retirement account, mm-hmm. you need that. And even, you know, I'm telling now, a lot of people don't realize having a Roth, that's the only tax-free mm-hmm. retirement plan out there. And, and and if you are in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or 50s, you still need to think about putting away some money for tax-free. Mm-hmm. But many people fear that what I understand is they think that they don't have enough money to have a financial advisor. But, but you know, you can have a financial advisor just investing $50 a month. Okay. A lot of financial advisor days have what you call a, a dollar-costing plan where you can go in and set up to have $50 uh, okay. invested. Uh, matter of fact, at Raymond James at our firm, we have a deal where people can do as low as $10 a week. Okay. You know, so uh, don't be fearful. And other people are just embarrassed to talk about their financial situation. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they are in debt. Maybe they haven't did the saving, mm-hmm. you know. But but it's never too late, Freddie, for, right. for people to start saving because, you know, uh, a large percentage of retirees – have not saved enough in mm-hmm. and exactly. looking at that cost that they need. Mm-hmm. Okay, for example, uh, when you retire, uh, a couple are it's going to need about two hundred twenty thousand dollars just for the health care costs. Mm-hmm. So you, you got to plan for the future. Okay, and there's unlimited opportunities uh, in investing in the stock market, in mutual funds, uh, individual stocks, uh, a variety of investments mm-hmm. that can provide uh, future income. And, and financial security for economic independence. Okay. Uh, that's Edwin Fox. Uh, he's with uh, uh, Raymond James Financial Services. Uh, he is our sponsor of the show, and we wanted to bring him in. And uh, we're going to be talking sports and more uh, financial uh, talk with him a little bit later. Uh, but right now, we're going to go right into our special guest for today, and it is a good one. Uh, he is uh, Mr. James Sanders, uh, formerly uh, outfielder for the Kansas City Monarchs of the uh, Negro League. Mr. Sanders, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. All right, sir. And you are calling from what city? Uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. All right. So uh, let's begin. Uh, how did you uh, get affiliated with uh, the Negro Leagues? How did you get your start? Uh, through what we call Sandlot. 
uh-huh. you know, community ball. Okay. I became a, you know, a little star, as they say. But <laughs> everybody noticed you when you're playing, you know, at that age, 12 and up. Uh, it, it, it's, it's Sandlot. It was Sandlot. Uh-huh. Then when I got on into high school, well, we didn't have baseball in high school, but we had a team in the community, which, you know, like 15 and up, okay. 15 and up. Uh-huh. So that's how I got started. I guess by me being a pretty good outfielder and okay. can hit and run and throw, okay. people's notice you. People right. notice you. Okay. Now, how did the uh, Monarchs uh, get with the, how did they notice you? Well, uh, the the uh, in nineteen fifty six, I was just I was still in high school. I finished high school. Uh-huh. Uh Buck O'Neill was the manager. Okay. And, and and at the end of the season, you know, uh, you wouldn't know, but uh, a lot of the ball players they'll quit and go home. So I caught on with them. I played a few games on the Buck O'Neill. Okay. Because the next year, uh-huh. Buck O'Neill became the first black coach. In the major league. Okay, all right. Mm-hmm. What, what he a, he, uh, he. Go ahead. What, what team was that with? The Monarchs. Oh, that's right. Okay. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So he and I, he and I both was inducted into the Milwaukee Brewer uh-huh. Wall of Fame in oh 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 six. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. We thought we both thought we were going to be in that thirty five. Uh huh. Uh, in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, but it wasn't to be. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Now, now, tell us, uh, give us a little history on the Negro League. Uh, uh, it started back in uh, the early 20s. 19, it, yeah, it started in 1920. Okay. It ended in, it's ended in 1962. Okay. So anything above 1962, they didn't play in the Negro League, because we have a lot of them uh-huh. going around saying they played in the Negro League. It's uh-huh. a different. Okay. It's a different. Uh-huh. It's what, you know, like before we started, it what you, you call barnstorming. Right. And after it ended, it was barnstorming. Uh-huh. But that wasn't the Negro League. I see. Now, mm-hmm. uh, from my understanding, the uh, Monarchs are the longest-running franchise, was the longest-running franchise, in Negro League history, is any, any yes. truth to that? Well, they they was there when they when they started in uh, Kansas City, Missouri, February uh-huh. the fourteenth. Ruth Foster started the Negro League when black and whites couldn't play together. Right. So they formed that league in Kansas City. Was one of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the eight eight teams that my understanding uh-huh. started out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, uh, I did a little research. Uh, also, uh, night baseball started in the Negro League. Is that right? The night baseball between the Kansas City Monarchs and the Homestead Raiders was the first to play baseball under the lights. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. I now, don't recall what year that was, uh-huh. but they were the first. And six years later, after the Negro League started playing baseball under the lights, Crosby Field in Cincinnati put up lights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now the Marks also uh, won the first uh, Negro League World Series in nineteen twenty-four. World Series, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, you didn't think I, I not cutting y'all, but I do have a, a, a poster on the wall in there. Oh yeah, to go see a World Series in. Uh huh. 
a dollar twenty five cents. Wow. <laughs> 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 you, you know what else found interesting was that uh, the World Series Negro League style, anyway, was was ten games. Uh, you know what? Uh, it was something like ten, nine or ten games. Uh-huh. I don't recall exact how many it was. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the Monarchs well, produced uh, a lot of uh, individuals that went to uh, Major League Baseball. Of course, oh, oh, uh, no doubt about that. Jackie, Jackie Robinson, Robinson, Satchel Paige, Ernie Banks, Elston Howard, mm-hmm. uh, Hank Thompson, mm-hmm. Willard Brown. I'm not too familiar with him. What do you know about him, Willard Brown? Who that now? Willard Brown. Brown. Yeah, Willard Brown. I don't know a whole lot about Willard Brown, but I keep up with him. I know his name. There, he went to the major. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Oh, but but before I forget it, uh-huh. I want you to know now, Ruth Foster. Right. Was the owner owner of the Chicago American Giants? Right. He is. He was the guy who started you to slide the base. That's where that came from. Oh yeah. Slide the base from the Negro League. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. It was Ruth Foster because if you went standing up, he charged you five dollars. <laughs> that was a lot of money in those days. Yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> it's just it's just like when I started out playing. Uh huh. I only received like one dollar a day to eat on. Okay. So now it, that it, was it, your a, that was your entire salary, or was that just for no? Uh, that was just for your food. Okay, one dollar a day. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Now my 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 salary was two hundred dollars. Okay, a month. A month, and okay. then you had to pay that thirty dollars back during the course of that month out of that money. Uh huh. Pay it back to who? Yeah, that we to the owner. Oh, for 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 what? I, I, I'm kind of perplexed. Well, I, you know what? I don't know why I wasn't asking no question. We just play <laughs> for the love of the game. Oh, okay. And we just wanted to play so we can try to make it to the major league jacket. Right. Now, when you talk about the first in the major league jacket, really was the third black in the major league. Oh, okay. Hey, Mr. Sanders, we've got to take a uh, quick break. Please stay on the line. We're going to come right back with you. Oh. and. uh talk about some finances since we got uh, Edward uh, Fox in the studio with us today uh, from Edward okay. Uh, James, okay? So stick around. Okay. I'm Freddie Jackson. I'll we'll be, be back with more of Afternoon Drive.
All right, we are back uh, with our next segment of Afternoon Drive. I'm Pretty Jackson, and uh, our guests today, our in-studio guests, of course, is Mr. Uh, Edwin Fox from uh, Raymond James Financial Services. And uh, we are talking with uh, Mr. James Sanders from uh, the Negro Leagues, uh, some interesting stories she's got for us. Uh, formerly of the Kansas City Monarchs. Uh, Mr. Sanders, are you there? Yes, I'm here. All right, man. Yeah, so let's get back uh, to the Monarchs, man. They were one of the uh, high-profile teams of the Negro League. Is that right? No doubt about that. I yeah. brag, you know, I bragged like, you know, like we was the Yankees, you know. Uh-huh. They were winning, <laughs> we were winning everything. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the finances back in those days. Uh, uh, the attendance at the games were averaged about how many people on an average per game? On an average, on an average, the Negro League mm-hmm. at one time, at yeah. one time, okay. was one of the largest money business in the United States. Right. Uh-huh. So let's say if you played at, one ballpark and we played, we'll probably outdraw you. Mm-hmm. We all felt like that's one of the reasons why they felt like it about time to integrate because mm-hmm. when you outdraw another team, uh, the Negro League, in our opinion, mm-hmm. if they had their money, they could have competed. I see. Mm-hmm. Mr. Sanders, my name is Edwin Fox. Yes. I got a question. You know, yes, sir. Yeah, those leagues, who owned the leagues right now? Were they African American owned, or uh, you know, who actually controlled them? And you know, and those uh, dollars funding, did it help expand the league? Did they invest into other types of investments, or did they just continue to put it back into their company, the money? So as I know, they put it back into their company, and okay. I, I I don't know of any whites. I heard there was two whites that had teams, okay. but basically it was all blacks that owned those teams. Uh-huh. And and what were the owners like that owned the team? Did you have opportunity to have dialogue with them and understand their vision on where they wanted to take the league and their thoughts about it? Uh, Ted Raspberry, let's say we go to club. That's who I really know from, okay. the, from the Kansas City Monarchs and the Detroit Star. Okay. That was a good relationship. Ted had money. Ted, Ted really had money. He would invest his money. He believed in bringing ball players in and sell them, make money, mm-hmm. make more money, make more money. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's what all of them was about, was making money. Because like I said, one time they became one of the largest money-making businesses in the United States. They made so much money that even the white guys uh, started bringing in Negro League, like the colored league. You oh, know? really? Right. They mm-hmm. would, yeah, and they would pay more money, uh-huh. and they would draw the players from the Negro League. I see. Uh-huh. Over to the colored league. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. One mm-hmm. other question. What was the, the best players, what kind of salary did that make? One of the things I've been looking at is, is the salary of African Americans in the 50s and the 60s. The top players, what kind of income did they make on a weekly basis or a monthly basis? And and did y'all have bonus programs and all that kind of stuff? In the Negro League, I don't know of any bonus. 
Okay. Uh, it was guys like Josh Gibson, Satchel Page. They made they made big time money. Okay. That's even on the airplane. You know, oh. that's the way he would travel around in an in airplane. Wow. It, it was a lot of money made. Okay. It was a lot of money made. Mm-hmm. Uh. Now, I know, like, my first game, uh, we played in Birmingham. I played in Birmingham with the Monarch. My, uh, we were playing on percentage because at this time of year, they stopped, you know, uh, playing under the contract. And they would just play calling to the people to come in. I made $384. I thought I was rich. Okay. All right. <laughs> I thought I was rich. Man, I never had that much money. <laughs> you know, high school, living in a mm-hmm. neighbor, you know, neighborhood, playing baseball in the street with rocks in it. We, we didn't know what a ball diamond was. Oh, and what was your age at that but, point? Say it again. Yeah, what was your age uh, when you made that 300 some dollars? Oh, I was I, I was about eighteen, seventeen oh. or eighteen, oh. seventeen years old. So you yeah. were rich. Yeah, I was rich, <laughs> man. You know, I'm you know I'm one of thirteen children. You know, okay. mom and dad made fifteen. I thought that was a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mr. Sanders, hey. let me ask you this: uh, Back yeah. in those days, uh, did the team have any kind of programs available to the players that would teach them? Uh, the fundamentals of uh, making that kind of money. Uh, were there any kind of financial advisors back in those days? Did, did Not the players, that I know of. Did the players invest <laughs> they in? Teach you, yeah. did, did the players invest into uh, their own companies or other companies? They would teach you the fundamental of baseball because that's what I learned. Uh-huh. Before I went to the Dodgers organization in 1957, okay. I learned those fundamentals from the Negro League. And a guy by the name of Frank Evans. Mm-hmm. And most everybody in the world knows Frank Evans. I don't know if I know him, so, so I, please uh, tell us yeah. who he is. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when I got to Vero Beach, Florida, you know, I what they were teaching me, I already knew. Uh-huh. We we went through that. They believe in grilling you, okay. letting you know what was what when you when you know when. Cause at this time they were just buying up all the Negro League ball players. I see. In my opinion, the most ball player opinion that they really was trying to tear the Negro League up. Oh, okay. They they want to just get rid of it because oh, you know this competition here now. Uh-huh. Mr. Mm-hmm. Sanders, let me ask you this: When you were making that money, uh. Did any did you think about home ownership? Did any other players really think about okay, I'm going to buy me a home now? Uh, no, I'm going to be honest with you. No, I really didn't. But I do know this. Okay. Uh, you know, I became engaged when I was maybe 18, 19 years old. Okay. Uh, I'm married to the same person now that I'm at 53 years. All right. Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, t- at times when I've got that money, I would send it home to her. Mm-hmm. And okay. she would put it, she would put it on, on the funnage and stuff that she had, you know, okay. put aside. Okay. Uh-huh. She finished Miles College, Alabama A&M. She ended up with Alba from being her doctor degree okay but uh basically we were thinking we were thinking ahead okay. we were i don't know about nobody else okay okay okay, okay. Mm-hmm. now let me ask you a real serious question uh mr sanders in your opinion uh would black america would they have been better off if we had kept the negro leagues i'm talking about black america specifically 
Uh, I, I, in your opinion, I, I, you know, it, it's hard to say. It, it's hard to say uh-huh. because if we'd have kept it, uh-huh. I don't think we would have been able to make the money that we are making today in the major league. I, I, I just don't believe that. Okay, I, I really don't. Okay. We might could have made some good sales, like like I said, Satchin. That's a page of Josh Gibson, because you know Josh Gibson was our greatest home run hitter. Oh, yeah. He hit more home runs than Hank Aaron, but all uh-huh. of them. He hit, he hit like 962 home runs in mm-hmm. 17 years in the Negro League. Yeah. Do you know he is the only man that ever hit a ball fair out of Yankee Stadium over the triple deck center field roof? Get out of here. I didn't know that. I, I, you're, I, finding a book, yeah, you're finding on a book now called Only the Ball Was White. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I like that. <laughs> I like that. So, Mr. Sanders, at the conclusion yeah. of your uh, uh, career, uh, what direction did you go? I mean, what did you have to fall back on? Okay, when I stopped playing, mm-hmm. I got into the landscaping business. In fact, you know, okay. I'm, I, well, you don't know, I'm 79. Yeah, I was 79 years old this past Saturday. All right, congratulations. I'm still in the landscaping business. I said, I got to fall back on something. I'm <laughs> not going to go to college. You okay, know, my okay. wife kept pushing me to go. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I finished 34th in my class of 138. Okay. And I just said, no, I don't want to go no college. So I, I got into the landscaping business. I'm, in fact, I'm still in it. In it today. Oh, okay, okay, and it mm-hmm. paid so, off real well for you, huh? So you became it, an it entrepreneur. Well. So you became an right, entrepreneur. Because, okay, right. Hey, hey, it's like graduating from a three-room house with fifteen. Uh-huh. Today I live in a eleven-room house. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when I go out and speak, I tell kids how I came up, and one little kid didn't say, "Well, where did all of y'all sleep at?" Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I said, man, three at the head, three at the foot. Make some pallets. <laughs> Speaking of that, how was it, uh, you know, traveling from one game to the next? I mean, what what kind of uh, changes did, did you, you know, guys have to go through? I enjoyed it because leaving Birmingham, really Fairfield, that's because Willie Mays and I went to the same high school. He's about four years older than oh, okay. But I enjoyed just going, looking out the windows, you uh-huh, know, uh-huh. seeing the war, seeing okay. the war. I got a chance to even go to Canada and play baseball. Okay, all right. But it, it was fun to me. I really, God knows I really enjoyed it. Okay, Ms. Sanders, we got to take another break. Please stay on the line. We want to finish up our conversation about the Kansas mm-hmm. City Monarchs, uh, the Negro League, and we're going to talk mm-hmm. about uh, Mr. James Sanders. So stick around. For more of Afternoon Drive, I'm Freddie Jackson, and we'll be back in moments.
Alright, we are back with our final segment of Afternoon Drive. I'm Freddie Jackson. And our sponsor uh, today, as well as in studio, is Raymond James Financial Service. They can assist with retirement savings, assets, IRAs, and more. Simplify your financial life. Contact financial advisor Edwin Fox. His number 896-0084. That's 896 896- 0084 Raymond James Financial Service. Also, are you ready for some football? Then stop by Online Sports Grill at 2813 North Hurstbourne at Westport Road. They're right next to Walgreens. Open until 1 a.m. on the weekends. Every game, every sport, all year long in their family friendly atmosphere. They'd love to have you on their team. That's O-Line Sports Grill, 2813 North Hurstbourne at Westport Road, right next to Walgreens. And we are talking today with our special guest, Mr. James Sanders, uh, formerly of the Negro League and formerly of the Kansas City Monarchs. Mr. Sanders. Yes, All right. I'm here. Edwin has a question for you. Edwin, go for it. Yeah, Mr. Sanders. Um, yes. You know, l- looking back then and everything, well, I want to say one thing. Uh, I know one of your friends in Louisville, Doyle Jones. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's my buddy. Yeah, yeah that's what he said. <laughs> Matter of fact, talk to, I talked to him today to remind you he's going to be on the radio. But one thing he was telling me about was your, your memorability business. You know, selling Negro League jerseys and everything. Tell us a little bit about that. And and it seemed like you became an entrepreneur. Did more of the other Negro League baseball players become business owners or entrepreneurs? Was that something that you saw a lot of after their after they finished their career? Uh, Tony Lord is the only one that I know that actually is he's he's into it today. He travels, man. He just be all over the United States. Okay. Uh, uh, selling that stuff. I do have a store here in Fairfield where I was born and raised at. Mm-hmm. And basically, I travel all over, too. You know, I go, then I go out and I do a lot of speaking at colleges and things like that. So like Duke University, I've been there on three three occasions wow. to oh, yeah. speak about the, about the Negro League. People from all over love to hear the story. And and everybody, you know, wants to know about this guy named Cool Papa Bell. Mm-hmm. Now, Cool Papa Bell is the fastest man to ever play this game of baseball. That's what he, I heard. They say he was so yeah. Say he was so fast, he goes from first to third on a bunt. <laughs> <laughs> and it, this is true now. Uh, and uh, and say he takes two bases with one pitch. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow. He is the only man that ever scored on a bunt from first base. Huh. And people say, well, how did that happen? I said, well, you know he's going to go from first to third on a bunt. Uh-huh. But when they came out to field the bunt, the pitcher and the catcher left home plate, uh-huh. nobody was guarding. He just kept running, so he scored. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, by the way, he is the only man ever hit three home runs in one ball game inside the park. Inside the park? Inside the park. This guy was fast. Wow. So He was fast. Wow. Well, tell us a little yeah. bit about your business, uh, you know, that you have. You said the landscape, but tell us about your other business. 
the 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 memo I call it memorabilia. I sell the Negro leg caps, okay. the jackets, the t shirts, mm-hmm. anything that dealing with the Negro leg. Mm-hmm. Basically, I have a lot of. Uh, uh, merchandise about me when I was playing. Okay. In fact, every team that I played with, mm-hmm. I have a, 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 a photo. Okay. I have a photo. Okay. In fact, I, I probably that I know because I asked most of the guys when I see them, nobody have that but me. Mm-hmm. I have one. This has helped me got my baseball pension, too. Oh, I see. Uh, when, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, when uh, they saw this picture of me when I was with New Orleans, and they say, if this man played with New Orleans, he deserves his pension. I played like six years in the Negro League. Uh-huh. And uh, so I got into it, and I just traveled three weeks out of, out of a month. I'm away from home, you know, three, sometimes four days. Uh-huh. I, you know, it's, it was, it's good money in that. It, it's really good money in that. Okay. So, and I'll be trying to get some of the other guys in there, but they act like they don't have time. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you don't have time, it's okay with me. <laughs> but I'll be trying my best to get them to go. Just go and stay with me. I'm I'm going to pay the rent, you know, hotel bill, buy the food, just so you can see. Mm-hmm. Start this, you know, start it. Okay. Get started for yourself. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mr. Sanders, uh, tell mm-hmm. us about uh, the... Uh, First female that played in the Negro League, uh, Mamie Johnson. Do you call her? Do you know anything about her? She 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 was not the first. Oh, okay. Tony Stone. Tony Stone was the first female. Okay. She played with the Indianapolis Clowns. She also played for the Monarch, and she was on a car wreck out there in L.A. And she, you know, she passed. Oh. From that accident, but she was and that's what made me want to play baseball. Cause my dad loved baseball; uh-huh. he would take me to Rigwood. Okay, that's the oldest baseball park in the nation. I saw this lady playing. I said, "Daddy, that lady playing, I want to play too." Oh, okay. You know, okay. She could play. She, she could? could play, and she she was a pitcher. She could play. No, she was a second baseman, second and baseman. played shortstop. Oh, yes. okay. Was she a good hitter? Yeah, she. She was good. She oh, was good. Okay. Mm. Okay. Yes. Mm. And then that was Connie Morgan uh-huh. who played was the next and then Mamie. Oh, okay. Mamie Peanut Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So basically we we did have you know what really and truly it was really four black women mm-hmm. that actually played. Mm-hmm. I can't think of the lady name, but I got a chance to meet her. Okay. Uh Two years ago, when I was in Detroit, cause they brought me in to throw the first pitch out at that game between Pittsburgh and Detroit, okay. Detroit Tigers, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and uh-huh. I got a chance to meet her. Okay. Now mm-hmm. you were uh, just recently in uh, Washington to meet uh, for a meeting at the White House. Can you share? Any well, of that? it wasn't. Yeah, it really wasn't at the White House. Okay. That was to uh, celebrating. The 10th anniversary of the Negro League Baseball Museum okay, in, okay. in Washington. Dwayne Sim is the CEO there. Uh-huh. And a lot of the merchandise that we have of Negro League ballplayer, my understanding when I was there, because we were there for days, mm-hmm. uh, we'll be going to dismiss Asonia. Oh, okay. Excellent. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So it, it, was, it, was, it was something wonderful. 
actually just a beat at the tenth anniversary of that. Oh, okay. So they have it every year because that's really the only celebration. Because right now we don't be we don't uh, go to uh, Kansas City and celebrate like we did when they first opened up. Because mm-hmm. nowadays they do more celebrating with major league ball players than they do Negro league ball players now. Mm-hmm. And and ball players don't like it, and they want to get back to like it really was and how, the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. One, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, Miss Sands. One of the things I heard you say was a baseball pension. Could you okay t- talk about that a little bit? Okay. What happened in? Hello. Oh, oh, okay. What what happened with that, with that in 1997 okay. when they started this this pension thing, pension plan for the Negro League ball player? Okay, if you have you have to have four years, and they investigate you if you was qualified, you got it. If you pass before, you know, if you pass, then your wife would get it until she died. But today it's not set up like that. It is set up if, I, like, I guess it if I pass, that's it. My wife won't be able to get it. Okay. So I could change it back to like it was in 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, most uh, ball players, they felt that since they played and they felt like that was discrimination, they just felt like they should be compensated too. Right. But it's it's not like that. Mm-hmm. Now, was it a I'm court? Was it a court battle for this pension that you are getting? Was it? Was no, that? it was not. It okay. was not Major League Baseball and thanks to uh, Commissioner Bert Sr. Okay. They looked it over. Wow. And uh, they agreed to do this. Okay. Uh. Mm-hmm. Mr. Sanders, let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, the percentage of uh, African-American uh, baseball players today is at an all-time low. And uh, there was so much enthusiasm about for baseball uh, back in your era. What do you think changed from then until now? Why, why is there, yeah, why is there more uh, uh, African Americans participating in baseball? Why is it falling off? Yeah. In my opinion, and several other ball players, when I, we was we sit around and talk because it's about uh, six or seven of us meet most morning and have breakfast together here in Birmingham. Okay, uh, we felt that when Michael Jordan came mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. most black kids was into baseball, but when Michael came, everybody wants to be like Mikey, hmm. so they just dropped baseball and picked up basketball. Really? I want to be like Mikey. Really? Yeah. You just think about it. It was about that time when it when it all went down. Mm-hmm. I was on a red another radio station. The man said, "You know, that's something to think about too." Yeah, <laughs> I never put I it said, in yeah, that context. No doubt about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Everybody wants to be like Mikey. They <laughs> dropped that. <laughs> they dropped that baseball. So, so will and it you ever? You know, it's like. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. I just say, you know, it's like here in Birmingham, it's, 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 we have like 34 communities, and you got 34 baseball teams, and kids were getting scholarships and stuff like that. They still get scholarships, but not like it was when I was, was mm-hmm. coming up. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. That scholarship means a whole lot. So do you think... Like uh, I have a... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, do, like I have this 14-year-old granddaughter. Uh-huh. She is 5'9", 180 pounds, and everybody in, in, in Alabama is looking at her. Oh, okay. She hit 11 home run. I'm talking about completely <laughs> out of the ballpark. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's pretty strong. Hey, she, and they clocked her a year and a half ago at 59 miles an hour throwing uh-huh. the softball, too. She plays shortstop. Okay. Hey, Mr. Yeah, Sanders, we like are running out of time, sir. Uh, of course, we can go mm-hmm. on forever talking with you, uh, mm-hmm. getting a history on the Negro League. But we want to thank you for being our guest today. Thank you. You shared of, uh, a lot of information, a lot of history with us, mm-hmm. and we certainly appreciate that. Mr. Mm-hmm. James Sanders, thank you mm-hmm. very much. You're welcome. All right. You're welcome. Have All a blessed day. Right. You, you got it, sir. Mm-hmm. All right, Edwin. Pretty impressive. You think so? All uh, right, man. Oh, yeah. You know, when when you look at the struggle – uh, and the challenges they face, and, and they were building a business and everything. Uh, that was a wonderful time for yeah. African Americans when they looked at baseball. Uh-huh. You know, I've seen some of those movies where they showed they were Sunday afternoon yeah. and they were all in the stadium just hollering and screaming and uh, everything. Right. You know, that was a great time. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, to hear him talk about his experiences is uh-huh. just wonderful. Yeah. All right. You know, I wanted to uh, give kudos to uh, – Teddy uh, Bridgewater, uh, <laughs> another phenomenal game, man. 23 completions out of 32 attempts, 397 yards, four touchdowns. In two games, he is 46 completions out of 60 attempts, 752 yards, nine TDs, no turnovers, and he's passed the ball to nine different receivers. That's phenomenal. And, and you know, I, and I'm just wondering, will it be anybody out there that can beat him out at Heisman Trophy? Well, there's no quarterbacks close to him. Uh, I, Johnny Menzel, uh, who goes up against Alabama again this week, only has 520 yards, uh, wow. six TDs. Uh, his counterpart that he's going to play against uh, at Alabama this weekend, A.J. McCarron, uh They've only played one game so far, so he his stats are not outstanding. Uh, Braxton Miller from Ohio State, uh, he only has 208 yards huh. uh, total for two games, two TDs. Uh, there's nobody close. Uh, Tommy Rees from Notre Dame uh, has 660 yards. Uh, he has five TDs, but... Uh, there's nobody close to Teddy Bridgewater in his pursuit of the Heisman Trophy. And that is going to do it for this week's edition of Afternoon Drive. I'm Freddie Jackson, and Jason will be back with us next week, fresh off his uh, honeymoon. And uh, that's going to do it for me. Thanks, Edwin, for hey, stopping by. Hey, I appreciate it, Freddie, and invite me back, man. You got it, man.
It's time for the Afternoon Drive. Welcome back, Afternoon Drive. Me and my man Trevor Kelsey bringing it to you right now. 1450 The Sports Buzz. Trevor, how's it going, man? You know I'm in a good mood. Last uh, night we had the, the Eagles offense explode in the first half, held on long enough in the second half to win the game. And let's be honest, I mean, the Charger game, was there any reason to watch it? You know, I mean, watching a Charger game is like watching a Hangover sequel. We already know what's going to happen eventually in the end. I mean, absolutely. You know, I didn't get to watch the game, but I um, heard it was a, a hell of a comeback. So uh, we will yeah. see what's going on. Uh, we are here today. Our show is brought to you by Oxmoor Ford Service with free shuttle service and a clean, comfortable Custom lounge with free Wi-Fi, big screens, and a business center for friendly for all people of all kinds of all places. And so it's going to be a great dandy show. We have so much to talk about. Um, We're going to use that Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz line. Second segment, we'll talk to Rob Doster from collegebasketballtalk.com. Get some uh, recruiting tips from news from him. Yes. As well as uh, some of the things going on in the world of college basketball. I've got to ask him my question I asked you the other day. Who would he induct in the Hall of Fame if he had his option? Uh, yes, very much so. We will get to all that when we bring on Rob here at the second segment. First, Trevor, uh, obviously the buzz around sports right now is your Eagles flying high and looking like the fastest thing on grass last night. Um, I was, I, I'm not going to lie to you. It was the when they that first opening drive was a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, obviously yeah. that uh, deflection that ended up being a D'Angelo Hall touchdown, the only touchdown. Don't that get I me watched. started on that now. Well, <laughs> it, it was behind the line of scrimmage, but I mean, uh, at the end of the day, when you look at the review, um, but that did not deter deter what happened later on in the game. And Michael Vick looked brilliant last night. Uh, to a degree. I mean, it's not. I wasn't really surprised. The offense. I, I knew this team had offensive weapons. I was uh, I was happy to see Deshaun Jackson be as uh, uh, as accurate as he was, I guess, to say. I mean, catching seven of the eight balls he was targeted with was did a good job running the routes. Him and D'Angelo Hall got in a little, little, little shoving matches here and there. But other than that, I mean, you're just talking about a heated battle between two guys that probably don't like each other very much to begin with. And the defense was the most thing I was most proud about with Philly. This defense has been literally downgrading each and every year since the passing of Jim Johnson, through, I guess, four years ago now. And every year it's gotten worse and worse. And last night – for the most part, looked as good as it's going to look. I mean, it's you're eventually in the NFL, you're not going to be able to shut people down. You're going to have games like that where if you can't run the ball in the second half and eat up clock, and the Bills can confirm this too, it's what happened to them as well in Doug Marone's offense on Sunday, then you're going to give chances to other teams to come back because you can score very quickly in the NFL. Yes, you can very much so. And when when you look at what they did last night, La- LaShawn McCoy, he uh, did a tremendous job between the tackles. He had... I believe it was um, 31 carries. Yes, he had 31 carries. He had 178 yards. The Eagles rushed total for 263 yards. It's the most they've ever rushed for since 2002. So, and they also had 49 rushing attempts. So, I mean, I'm sorry, he had 184 yards, one shot, one shot of a career high on 31 attempts. Which that career high was against the Cowboys two years ago, by the way. So, his top two performances in his career so far have been against the Cowboys and Redskins. That's anything to make an Eagles fan smile. The only thing bad about last night was uh, a tweet that I saw. From a, a writer in Philadelphia, does a good job that's saying he was the first coach to win his debut since Rich Kotite. And that is a name Eagle fans want no connection with in any way to any coach they ever have from this point on, future wise. Yes, on the flip side of that, RG3's QBR rating last night <laughs> was 15.7. And you know what? I, I, I mean, you, know, you never want to see anybody do bad. You never want to see anybody have a disappointing outing at the end of the day unless you are the opposing team and you are for one side or the other. I'm sure Trevor wanted to see the Redskins (laughs) do bad. But the thing about it that kind of like what made me happy was 
I didn't have to worry about getting a, a news cycle because you know ESPN had a a pummel a, a like just was going to pummel us with RG three all day today. But the thing was so, they did it even after the game. The first highlights they showed were RG three hyperbole of how bad he was. Yeah, and into what he did improving wise. And the second thing they showed was the Eagles who actually won the game. I was a little disappointed by that, but you know when it comes to ESPN, I'm really anything they do doesn't shock me anymore. What were your thoughts on Ray Lewis doing the Monday Night Football game? Uh, I enjoyed it. He brought a different angle. You know, uh, Keyshawn says a lot of things with Chris Carter. I think they have good chemistry together as well yeah. as Tom Jackson and those guys' opinions. I like Ray. I like Ray Lewis because I mean he brings a lot of things of what a guy will bring to the locker room per se to the field. Like you know Steve Young, they've been out of the game so long. Uh, those guys don't really talk about a lot of things that they experience in the locker room. Ray Lewis brings that locker room experience. And, like I mean, he's just so engaging, and what he says is so. I want to say Martin Luther King ish how he presents it. <laughs> Two people I don't think ever I compared Michael Vick so, to Martin. Yeah, yeah I was I was about to say now Michael Vick and Ray Lewis have both been compared to Martin Luther King Jr. Yes, they on this get the show. Martin Luther King ish. I mean, do we not, know who Martin Luther is? Well, you King can't is. say Jesse Jackson because he wanted to cut Barack Obama's nuts off. So we can't say. Can I say that? Oh, well, you just did, I guess. Yeah. So I mean, so you can't say that. So I, mean, I don't think you can say that either. Really, what, I mean, that's what he said. So I mean, with that being said, um, I thought he was a little standoffish. He was a little close to the vest, a little nervous. You could see nerves in his uh, kind of in a way. Because when you think of Ray Lewis, you think of a guy like you said, outlandish. Will, will say anything. Well, you know, has no fear and, and worried about what people think about him, about what his react, what his words are, and what his actions are. And I didn't see that as much last night in the broadcast. I think, I mean, being his first one, I think he kind of kept it close to the vest a little bit. He, Stuart Scott tried to set him up a few times to to be able to put himself in his comfort zone and, and say things that are kind of out that way, and he kind of backed away from it. Give it time, though. I mean, I'm not gonna not gonna put the jury out on him just after one show, obviously, because as you mentioned, guys like Keyshawn was kind of similar the same way. I mean, he was very close to the vest and nervous, yes, and kind of came so. out of his shell as time yes. went along. And I'm sure Tom Jackson. I'm not I'm not even old enough to remember Tom Jackson being that way because I've just grown up seeing him as good as he is, but. I think yeah. he'll get better as time goes along. He can't be the same guy he was in the locker room because, well, there's SEC rules. But. Yes, the Eagles averaged 17 points per game last season, Trevor. They had 26 at halftime. They only reached 26 points once last year. Uh, it's a new offense, a new fast-paced offense, but it's an offense that the fast-paced version of it is going to help disguise certain things, and one of those things is the offensive line, even though you saw Vic get hit a lot yes. last night. And you're going to see a lot. This offensive line's not that good. And Chip Kelly says he does not like the pace that they're going, and he wishes they would run that a little bit faster. They need better tempo. Not in the second half. Now, the second half, is that's where it comes back and bites you because you can't eat clock. That's what Chip Kelly's saying. And you saying, saw so. that happen with the Redskins. They were able to get the ball back in numerous times. You got to ask Chip Kelly. To... I'm not the helm of that ship, though. So Can we'll we get him on the show? I, I don't know. You I don't know, know what? I don't know Chip Kelly. No, I'm not worried about Chip Kelly. Next best thing I can go to Oxmoor Funding and Buzzline. The truth. He's as good as Chip Kelly anyway to me. Truth, what you know, buddy? Uh, man, Jim Kelly uh, put up 33 points last night. Man, I tell you what, they look like they goes on their way to getting the same. Well, Trevor, I'm telling you what, man, I'm not in a good mood today. So uh, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. Uh oh. That that defensive coordinator up in Indiana. If I don't run him out of state of Indiana, my name ain't the truth. <laughs> well, I'm not. I don't know. Remember who, who is the, de- the name of the defensive coordinator in Indiana? Or is it just uh, irrelevant? Bill, uh, Bill Murray, uh, uh son. Bill Nye, the science uh, guy. Bill Murray. Oh, uh, Bill Ma- Oh, the former great coach of the eight, late '80s and early '90s. Yeah, his son. Oh, uh, okay. Well, you can't fire him. His dad is is a legend in IU. Football. Well, Texas well, fired their guy, so they could fire him. <laughs> yeah, Tr- it's truth. Only, it's, 
you knew your defense wasn't going to be that great to begin with, Truth. Didn't you? Can you kind of brace yourself for that? Well, you remember I told you the only thing I've been worried about. I, I feel like we can stop the pass is running between the tackle. We lost Blackman. We lost two of our best uh, defensive end, and that's where the freshmen going to have to step up. Like Allen, he had a good game, but. You know, anytime you know you you've been watching football, man. They didn't even they didn't start tackling to, to about the last two minutes of the game. Too far. I think they had 444 yard rushing, and they only throw four touch uh, throw four passes. Yeah, that, and truth, I appreciate the call, and I, I agree. I mean, that 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 is what blew my mind the most in that game is, and I hate to be bad, the bearer of bad news, but your offense is going to be fine against Bowling Green this Saturday. But Bowling Green's got a decent running game as well. I'm drawing a complete blank. They lost their leading rusher. He transferred to FIU. And the guy that replaced him was actually his high school teammate. And he's they, he's been a workhorse for this team. He's had over 100 yards both games in their two wins versus Tulsa and Kent State. So they're going to run the ball at you a lot like you saw Navy do, except not out of the wishbone. So if you had trouble stopping Navy's running attack, you might have yeah. some trouble this week Good as well. luck. Good luck. My yes. only advice to you is the same advice I'm going to tell all my Eagle fellow fans. You're just going to have to outscore them. That's yes. all you can do. Now, Trevor, the uh, Houston Texans, who uh, Matt Hasselbeck calls a Matt Hasselbeck calls a Matt Schwab, Matt Hasselbeck and Schwab. Hasselbeck, I, I, it feels weird to say that together for some reason <laughs> for me. But um, says Matt Schwab is a Super Bowl capable quarterback. And you know they got a marquee wide receiver in Andre Johnson, and if they can ever get their running back to stay healthy, you know he's he's always hurt all the time. Yeah, Foster. So I mean, ben Tate's not a bad backup too. So I mean he's not. Yeah, but they've been they're trying to put it all together. They have everything in place to win. JJ White on defense, Brian Cushing obviously. What are your thoughts on the game as they came back from down twenty one points? And did you get to see any of that game? I, I did. I watched most of the game again. I wasn't surprised. I, you know the the best thing with it, the the phrase that the Chargers. You can take the uh, you can take North Turner the Chargers out of North Turner, but you can't take the North Turner out of the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, they're they're like they're, they're like that bo stuck in Jerry's car. I mean, it just his stench stings around, and it was the same Chargers. They get up big. It's just like they do every year. They 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 start out hot and they fade in the end. They don't make the playoffs, so they go eight and eight. The same thing in a game situation. They get up big and they just they they collapse. Yes, of That's all the, and maybe it's North Turner or Phillip Rivers. It's one of the two, and maybe it's more Rivers now than Turner. That we of know. all active quarterbacks, QBR ratings in the fourth quarter, Phillip Rivers is the lowest. Mark Sanchez is being thirty point six, Alex Smith being sixteen, Brandon Weeding being fifteen point six, and Phillip Rivers with seven point seven. And Rivers' numbers there have a lot more accumulated than, than all those other guys. Probably all those guys combined in terms. He's thirty one. Yeah, he's been. I mean, he was a four-year starter at NC State. Started as a true freshman at NC State. So I mean, we we've seen Philip Rivers grow for a long time. He's not. I'm not bashing. He's a good quarterback. It's just the thing is, he's not on a bad team. <laughs> he's not the leader. He's he was at his best when he was able to be the second tier, the Robin, so to speak, to Ladanian Tomlinson. Now they don't have that. They don't have anyone like that. And he's got to be the guy that facilitates the offense, and he can get you some numbers. Obviously, he put up 28 points on a very good defense last night. But they still can't get the win, and that's just it's it's the story of the San Diego Chargers day in and day out every year. Yeah, the same thing. Yes, very much so. And like you said, Nerve Turner, his shadow still lingers over that. Eddie Royal did some good things in the game, um, but I mean, at the end of the day, I just wasn't. I was very disinterested. In yeah, I mean, Vincent Brown. I, I watched the recap. I watched of that game. Ryan so. Matthews is not a bad running back. I mean, they've got a decent line. The defense has had better better parts to it than it does this year. It's a revamped defense. It's a it's not a fresh start, but a, a reworking of the team that they so justly put with having in the new general manager, new coach. But, you know, it's the same thing. It's a team that's going to probably win six games, maybe eight at the most. They're going to be a team that you can't overlook and just walk past like you can Jacksonville or, or other teams like that, maybe Cleveland to a degree and the Jets unless you're Tampa Bay. 
but they're a team that's not really going to contend for anything whatsoever. Yeah, so it'll be very interesting to see. Uh, you know, Brian Cushing earned his paycheck when he turned that uh, interception for a touchdown, and uh, I, I just don't, I just don't see this team going anywhere. Obviously, Peyton Manning's going to dominate the AFC. I like the Texans. I just, I don't think the Texans can can. I like the Bengals better still. I know they lost against the the Bears, but the Bears are a good team. Yeah, I just, I, I, the Texans are another team, and of course, Texans beat the Bengals last year in their playoff game, but. I just I I know Schaub has got the reputation he's not a bad quarterback. I just don't like the Texans so for some reason. I can't put my finger on it. Maybe I will in a few weeks as I watch them a little more. But they just kind of in that same Charger mold to me. They're just a team that's a good team. They're a little better than the Chargers, so they'll get 10 wins, but just not a team to have exactly what it takes to get over that hump. Yes, very much so. There's so many things to get to, Trevor. Not only is it UofL UK week this week, it is also Alabama, Texas A&M. I am so excited, Trevor, to see that game. Are you? What are your thoughts on this weekend as far as football goes? Is it going to be another stellar weekend of college football? Uh, I have no real. I don't. I don't even. I actually have zero desire to watch Alabama and Texas A&M because it's going to be a destruction. No, it's not. It's going to be Alabama a good game. is going to beat them poor. I mean, just beat them bad. I can't. I can't even think of an analogy of another person that's been beaten as bad as A&M is going to get Whoever wins that game will be in the leader seat for the national title game, Trevor. Uh, it's not going to be Texas A&M. Texas A&M is going to get pumbled. I think the line yeah, is eight points. That's what we points. thought last time. The line is eight points. At A&M, too. College Ta- Station. Take the retirement fund, take the sunglasses and pawn them, and put it all on Alabama to cover eight. <laughs> we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to use the Oxmoor Four Lincoln buzz line to call my man Rob Dolster. Dirty Dolster. He's going to tell us everything college basketball-wise. Double D, Dirty Doster. We have so many things to ask him, Trevor. We have so many intriguing questions because, you know, this is a basketball-crazed area when we come back 1450 to Sports Buzz. We're going to have a problem. Like you never seen a white person before Jaws all on the floor like Pam Like Tommy just burst in the door We started whooping her ass worse than before They first were divorced Sewing her over furniture It's the return of the Oh wait, no wait, you're kidding He didn't just say what I think he did, did he? And Dr. Dre said Welcome back, Afternoon Drive. Of course, uh, we'll remind you real quick that coming up this weekend, as parents said, a lot of great action, including on our airwaves as well. We are the home of Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Been proud of the first two games to have them on our airwaves uh, with Kentucky and Tennessee. And this weekend, it will be no different. Uh, the action kicks off at 6.30, Western Kentucky pregame show. Start leading up to the 7.30 kickoff. The Hilltoppers and South Alabama in their first year in Division I football South Alabama. South Alabama. Of course, that's brought to you by our friends at Thornton. Stop in local Thornton's Day for endless variety of freshly refreshing cold fountain drinks, including chewable nugget ice for only 89 cents, which is what I'm actually drinking right now. 
as well on Sunday, we had the uh, Cardinals and the the Rams in a great close game Sunday at 4 o'clock last weekend. This Sunday, it's brother versus brother, Baron. Manning versus Manning. Sunday when Peyton and the Denver Broncos travel to the Meadowlands to take on Eli and the New York Giants. Not the Giants, the G-Men. <laughs> As they will, of course, that game kicks off at 4.15. We'll also have for you uh, joined in progress the Redskins that we forementioned that we talked about from last night. They will be at the Green Bay Packers. We'll be bringing that game to you in progress at 2 o'clock following the weekend golf guys as well. Uh, waste no more time and swing right over to the Oxmo Fording and Buzz Line. Talk to my man. It's Tuesday and time for a little dirty Doster time here on the Oxmo Fording and Buzz Line. Rob Doster, collegebasketballtalk.com. Rob, how's your week been going, buddy? My week has been going well, man, but uh, I got some bad news for you, Trevor. Uh, oh, I don't no. know if you heard about this, but Aaron Kraft got engaged, man. I know that was <laughs> Are you saying that because I'm jealous that Aaron Kraft is now uh, is now no longer available, or the fact that uh, that uh, his girlfriend is not available for me? Are you trying? Are you trying uh, to make a, like a little tongue in cheek joke there, uh, there uh, Mr. Rob Doster? I'm I'm not making any jokes, man. I'm just pointing out a fact for you. You can take it how it is. Uh, <laughs> We're going to leave that out there for other people to interpret. Yes. <laughs> I'm actually sad neither one are available, to be honest with you. Uh, Rob, <laughs> uh, Rob uh, first off, I want to ask you, obviously Kentucky last night held the alumni game and where uh, numerous players from the past couple years came back and did a charity event. But on the other hand, it was it as much a charity event or maybe a little extra reasoning for Calpari to to skate that gray area of recruiting and bring in recruits with a little extra oomph? Uh, obviously, he's you know, it, I I think it's you got to call it a charity event because they raised what like a, I think it was a million dollars. Is that what I saw reported? Yes. So regardless of what happens, that's what actually matters. I mean, is he using it as a recruiting event? Is he getting the kids on campus there and, and showing them just how special it could be? You know, obviously, he, he's a smart guy. He's going to be able to do that. It's it's kind of what he does. It's how he, he runs things. But they also raised a million dollars for charity. And, you know, I, I find a hard time um, condemning anything that raises a million dollars for charity. You know how much a million dollars is? Think about how, how hard it is to raise a million dollars. You take yeah, my entire life earnings and times it by five, and I still have a million dollars, I don't think, which is the that, It's hard to raise a million dollars. Should it be allowed to have – I know North Carolina has been doing this for decades, Rob, with Michael Jordan's camp and so on and so forth. But I, at this point in time, I don't think anybody wants to be affiliated with Michael Jordan with, – uh, North Carolina's on doings. But hold on, I got to stop you there. Michael Jordan's camp does not have affiliation with the North, University of North Carolina. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. The Santa Barbara camp yeah. in California. Would you, would you please do, do quotations when you tell me that because it doesn't have any affiliation. Just sure, got to correct you. Just got to correct you. Should it be? Should they allow be allowed to bring recruits in for an event like this, even if it is covered by charity? Yeah, why not? I mean, anybody can do it. <laughs> I, I still go to alumni games every once in a while. It's fun, man. It's awesome. Where'd you graduate from? <laughs> uh, Vassar College, a little school up in New York. I know where that's at. Like we don't, we don't have like thousands and thousands of fans. Like we might be able to raise like forty dollars in beer money between everything <laughs> that shows up. But it's so fun to go back, man. I, I mean, why not? It, as far as letting recruits in, you know, that might be up for debate a little bit. I, I, I'm fine with it. I, I don't see any issue with it. And, and to be honest with you, I don't think that attending an alumni game is going to be the difference between. You know, Devin Booker picking Kentucky and Devin Booker picking, you know, Michigan State or wherever else he ends up going. Um, I, it's a fun event to go to. It's, it's kind of impressive when you 
look out on that court and see all the NBA players and all those stars and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I don't think that just going to that event is going to change anybody's mind and where they want to go to school. Yes, and uh, when you talk about this event, I want to ask you, uh, Jaleel Okafor was on campus, and uh, do you think he that that increased their chances by any means for him to go there, one? And second, will they have any space? I don't see Marcus Lee leaving this year, and Dakari Johnson, uh, He he's very good, very solid, could be a draft pick, but I think he's got to play behind Willie Cauley-Stein, one, and he has slow feet, too. Do you see this happening for them? Well, I think that Jaleel Okafor is better than – um, any of the big men that they have a chance of having next year. So, I, I I mean, if you can get Jaleel Okafor, you take Jaleel Okafor and you start him over anybody that you have on your roster. I mean, that's just the way it goes. You know, it, when you go to Kentucky, you, you go there with the understanding of, you know, if you don't have a great freshman year, they're probably going to recruit over you and, and you might end up sitting on the bench as a sophomore. So, you know, they, they kind of they have that understanding going in. And, and, and Jaleel Okafor is good enough. I, I mean, I, I think... The, the best way to describe how good I think Jaleel Okafor can be in college is, is, is I think he's going to be a sane DeMarcus Cousins. That's, that's how good I think he could end up being. He's, just, he's a massive kid. He's like 6'11", 270. He's got good feet. He's got, he's got post moves already. How often do you see a guy that, that big, that strong, with good feet and post moves at this age? You don't really see that ever. So, you know, I... I think that if he ends up going to Kentucky, he's going to play no matter what. He's going to be start from day one. Yes, I'm glad I'm not his mother, so I don't have to feed him. But um, <laughs> my mom says the same thing about me. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I was going to say, isn't that kind of like working with Trevor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I don't have to feed Trevor, so it kind of works out. But on on the flip side, uh, the Olander kid at UConn, this kid has nine lives where he has to. He gets into a fight, and then now he got a DUI. And he's still on the team. I mean, with this case right here, the other kid from UNLV who robbed his teammates of shoes and still on the team. I don't know how these kids are doing it. They got to have something on their coaches. But how is Justin Orlander still on the team at UConn? Well, I, I don't know if he still is going to be on the team at UConn after all this kind of played itself out. I mean, Kevin Ollie has made it um, obvious that he's not going to. He doesn't really accept. Um, breaking the law. Uh, if you look at what happened with the uh, the big German kid, I think it's Enosh Wolf. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yes, he was arrested for a, a domestic. Yeah, that's what I got him mixed up with. Yes, yes. Yeah, and he ended up getting got. He was basically asked to not return. He was told that he wouldn't be on scholarship if he came back. He would have had to been a walk on. He would have started the bottom of the depth chart, and you know he ended up going pro with Germany instead. Now Olander, this isn't the first time he's been in trouble. He was. Uh, when he was on spring break, he got arrested. Um, it was basically a trespassing charge. He was uh, I don't know all the details of what specifically happened, but he was basically like at a condo and he refused to leave when the cops showed up for whatever they showed up for. So he got arrested for that, and now he's got a DUI where apparently he was driving without a license. Like, he literally does not have a driver's license, and he got caught uh, drinking the driving. So that's you know, <laughs> not a good good sign not a good thing to deal with so we'll see what ends up happening there i wouldn't be surprised if he got suspended for a good chunk of time and you know that's a big blow for uconn because they really do not have any size inside you know olander is their their muscle guy in the paint he's what like 230 pounds and averaged uh, a career high 3.7 rebounds last year they're going to go into the season with uh phil noah 
Phil Nolan, Kenton Stacey, if he ends up getting eligible, and the seventh footer that committed to UConn over like Florida International. So, <laughs> you know, they're going to be, they have a lot of really, really good players on their perimeter with uh, Boltwright, Napier, um, Omar Calhoun, and, and DeAndre Daniels. And, and the kid that transferred into GW, the Sonic Chrome. They have a lot of really good guards and really good perimeter players, but they might end up having to, to you know, Put Trevor on a scholarship to get someone just a little bit of size in the paint, man. So I mean, see, it's to see what happens. I I would be surprised if Olander wasn't suspended. You, got, you guys laugh, but you play half court. I'm very effective. Okay? I don't know if it's you're running gonna... up and down <laughs> is the problem I have. I don't know if you're going to get Trevor to go to class. So that's the other problem. So good luck with no, that. I go to North Carolina. I'll still be eligible. Let's then. See, but there you go. But uh, my last, I got one more. I got to ask you, uh, Dante Exum. Um, he's he still got IU on his list. Um, what are the chances that you know, all the IU fans are crazy right here. What are the chances that he actually decides to come to school? I, I don't think it ends up happening. He wouldn't be able to come to school until, I believe, the second semester this year. And I think he's already said that that's not going to happen, right? He, he came out and said that he's not going to be Yeah, so he doesn't want to come in halfway through the season. 2014, yeah, so he's not going to play this year, which means that you got a kid that could end up being the number five pick or a top five pick in the 2014 draft. Do you think he's going to sit around and hang around and go play a year of college basketball if he's not going to come on the campus midway through this season? I just I, I don't see it happening. I think he's going to end up going pro. I'd say, you know, you know if I were a betting man, I, I w- I'm not going to give you odds because I don't really understand how that works. But I will say, don't don't bet on him going to college because you'll probably lose money. I'm talking to Rob Doster, collegebasketballtalk.com, Oxford Ford, Lincoln, Buzzlad. Uh, one person that will be a member of Louisville's 2014 class, Jalen Johnson, committed earlier this week. What can you tell us about him, Rob, that uh, Louisville fans maybe haven't seen already? I mean, he's a big guy. I actually haven't even seen him play. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very detailed. Very detailed. Yeah. yeah. He's six foot I mean, something. He, he handles a basketball. Uh... <laughs> I, I do know this. I can't pronounce the name of the high school that he went to. He's uh, <laughs> Gibson Planey. <laughs> don't don't worry. We are not about right. We are we're sounding it out every day here. Hooked on phonics is not working for us. So. Well, you, you know what, Rob? I'll take you off the hooked in since you, you, you can't give me the description. Jalen well, Johnson. This, this is this is what I do know about him. I know I know he's big. He's long. He's athletic. He's, he's a power forward, and he would fit in well in that that kind of system that um, that Rick Pitino likes to run. I, I I've never seen him play. You know, I, I don't. Uh, he's from Michigan, and I guess he just never ended up at the same AAU event that I played at. But everything that I've heard says that he's a good recruit for them. He's a good gift for them. People are positive about his potential in college. But, then again, have you ever heard uh, a recruiting guy say, oh, this kid's not going to be any good in college? Every single player <laughs> at every school is a good gift. So it's, it's kind of hard to figure all that out. Yeah, Ooh. analysts also said that Jamarcus Russell had the best arm they've seen in 20 years. Yeah, so exactly. Everybody's right. John Gruden when it comes to the, giving a breakdown of an of a recruit, and there's never well, a bad word said. Jamarcus Russell's problem wasn't his arm; it was his eating ability. <laughs> He's like Kobayashi. He yeah. likes to run. Afterwards. Nathan's hot dog should have called him for sure. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like if Trevor could throw a ball 75 yards. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite my favorite Jamarcus Russell was he can throw a ball 75 yards from his knee, which means he was down, so it's irrelevant. Well, in you the know, first place. well, you know, Trevor, you know, Trevor, man, he could Trevor could throw a football. He's like Jared Lorenzen 3.0. So. <laughs> Three and a half. Uh Rob <laughs> Yeah, he's he's a killer in NCAA two thousand fourteen. I've seen him. He can pull the ball sixty five yards in the run. <laughs> Actually I am. Uh on a side note. Uh, from one uh, re- blundered, blundered question to you to a, to a blunder by UNLV, 
How embarrassing is it to put a coach on a billboard wanting fans to come to your games, but the coach being away from your program for three years almost? How funny was that, man? <laughs> Do you think anybody I, even I, noticed it if it hasn't been brought up by national media? <laughs> I, you don't have anything else in, US, in, in Las Vegas. You don't have any other professional sports teams. No, nothing. You don't have any other major sports teams. I probably shouldn't say professional because they're not officially professional yet. Yeah. But you don't have any other major sports teams in Las Vegas, you have the UNLV basketball team, and that's it. How do you mess up their head coach? <laughs> how do you how do, you do that? Who's in, the mar- who's in the marketing department there? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, I what, know, should they put Jerry Tartanian on it instead, maybe? I mean, I should, I should apply for that job. I'm sure it's open right now. Yeah, seriously, you should. Did, did we oh, verify God, whether the coach was oh, the current man. coach, Rob? I, I don't cause I don't even know who the, football, the current football coach looks like. Is that really the current football coach on there, too? Or is, or is that the who guy who coached Randall Cunningham? The football team doesn't matter. The only <laughs> thing that matters there is the UNLV basketball team, and they couldn't get that right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> again, I wonder well, if I'll anyone even much, noticed though. it. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you this much. That billboard got a lot more coverage and a lot more eyeballs than it ever would have if they had put Dave Rice on there in the first place. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe the marketing department actually got a raise. Is it still up? They should have. They- <laughs> no, they took it down like immediately. I didn't know. <laughs> they should put up. They should put up like a come get you, come meet the current team and put up the uh, team with Stacy Alger and Anderson Hunt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Rob, uh, Rob, uh, quick question for you. Also, uh, College Bas- Hall of Fame, obviously, uh, Patino and so on. Everyone gets an Hall of Fame. I brought this question up to uh, to Perrin the other day. If you were you were being inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame, who would you choose to be your induction speech? Other than you? Other than me? Yes, of course. That would I, I would be I'd be the guy that takes you on the after party. That'd be fun. He would he would give you some Sugar Ray reference to why you and the song matter or something. <laughs> I would raise a nineties reference, like, like Sugar Ray the Band. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly my thoughts. <laughs> no, no, I would oh, use the Fast so, and the Furious reference in some way. I'm sure, though, but <laughs> I would, yeah, you know, speaking of Fast and Furious, I would probably have uh, Vin Diesel come on, but he would have to come on in character. You can't. Um, from Fast and the Furious. You got to pick a basketball guy, Rob. The, 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 that's the point of it. it has to be somebody of a basketball nerd. Don't, and don't tell Man, me Rip was, Hamilton or Klee Alamine or this your speech though, Rob. Right? I would say Tim Calhoun, but no one would be able to understand what he would say up <laughs> there. So that kind of nullifies that point. I don't know. Maybe like Jay Billis or something like that, or, or Bill Raffer. Actually, you know what? I would go with just Gus Johnson. Yeah, that's a good one. Because he's never going to announce anything that I ever do in my entire life, and that's one of my dreams to have just hope- something. I was, hoping you say I, Gein. <laughs> I was hoping you say Ozzy Guillen. I was hoping you say Ozzy Guillen so he could curse a lot. We, we once had a but heat. Just... He's not basketball. <laughs> but it's funny, though, to hear him talk. It's the greatest thing ever. He's not. You wanted to pick Vin <laughs> Diesel, and you're getting mad at him for picking Ozzy Guillen? Ozzy Guillen. tell me it had to be a basketball Yeah, I'm guy. telling you. Hey, I, that it, came after the fact. Hey, isn't Ozzy Guillen like a dictator turned baseball coach, though, isn't he? Yeah, Dennis Rodman's a fan of his. I know that. Uh, <laughs> it's why you bring up Gus Johnson. I, we had a heated argument at a place I used to work at one time where the discussion came up. If you could have any sportscaster near, uh, commentary, the, your uh, performance in bed one night, who would you pick? And the, Gus Johnson it's came up. Be Gus Johnson, oh, it right? came up the unanimous. I mean, it was probably like 40 votes to three. I think I voted for the guy that does the, the uh, Kentucky Derby because I figured I'd be done in two minutes anyway. <laughs> Too much information. <laughs> Rob, appreciate you coming on today. Oh, man. 
You know, I, I had a I had a joke right there, but I don't want to get you guys in trouble with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that that's that's why I'm closing this one out. Yeah. Rob, Rob, tell Troy I'm sorry <laughs> for making fun of his fantasy team on Twitter. By the way, <laughs> hey man, your your fantasy team I, I think that's probably got the best name I've seen on a fantasy team in a while. I loved it. You like that? I have to be creative. <laughs> yes, new day new day co op. A little wing, a little wire reference there for you people. I will. I would tell you what my fantasy team names were, but again. I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> yes, yes, very much <laughs> so. keep you employed. I appreciate that. I yeah. appreciate that very much. Rob Doster, CollegeBasketballTalk.com. We'll catch up with you next week, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me on, fellas. <laughs> no, no problem. Uh, yeah, Gus Johnson did win that vote, by the way, very uh, unanimously. I think yeah. there was a few other votes, but uh, he was the one everyone wanted. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back. Uh, Perrin, big news today, Ohio- Oklahoma State, a little scandal forming thanks to Sports Illustrated. The news broke today of – Hand, $500 handshakes, uh, pay for play, less Miles name coming up, a lot of things involved. When we come back, we'll get into that and much more. We return to Afternoon Drive, 1450 Sports Buzz. from their loss against Navy. Uh, a couple things going on news. Obviously, we mentioned Oklahoma State, and we'll get into that in just a second as well. Let's say that. But, I, I want to get into detail that tomorrow. Let's say that for tomorrow. I'll tell you what. When, you're, when you have to do five different segments to, to, to disclose yeah, all the things you've done wrong. So let's break that down That's tomorrow. a lot want, of stuff. Me and Trevor have a lot to say about that. There's a lot of questionable things. We will bring them all to you tomorrow because it's so detailed. It's so much to say, and we will bring all that to you tomorrow. There's really no shock in my side of the uh, Yes, um... <laughs> But but the thing I want to talk to you about, Trevor, right now is uh, the fact that uh, you have LeBron James, and nobody's talking about this, but LeBron is possibly thinking about not coming to Miami, even though Miami will be, quote-unquote, ideal for him to stay there. And it's hard to leave Florida weather once you've experienced it. So what do you think are your thoughts on him coming back to the Heat, possibly? If not, if where do you see him landing? you think he'll go back to the Cavs for his hometown? It's hard to judge. I mean, we, we don't know at this point. I mean, obviously he has the, 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 he has the player option in, uh, I guess, 2014 is what it is. And the fact is, is we don't know if he's going to, to be able to, to, to want to stay. I mean, Cleveland's totally opening money up. At that point in time, they will have – the availability for more money to give him because you're looking at Wade to more than likely be retired. But then you also have the player option of Chris Bosch at that time. A lot can change between now and 2014. It's going to be interesting to see. But at this point or another, if I'm Cleveland, don't get your hopes up that he's coming back right away. Just just sit back and wait for another decision involving a bunch of kids from an orphanage in Miami and see what he says then. Yes, uh, Pat Riley has made the comment, that he will t- he will make sure that the main thing is his main focus is winning another championship. You know what, Trevor? Forget it. We're gonna go ahead and talk about this Oklahoma City stuff, man. Let's just go ahead and paint. Let's just go the, the, the hundred dollar handshake I just gave you convince you to, to change your you, mind. You know, it, you you put the extra twenty five in there to make it one twenty five. So I said I'm gonna go ahead and do this for you. If you haven't seen the report yet, Sports Illustrated came out with a report today, in which the cover is called the Dirty Game. And Sports Illustrated for the next couple of weeks, five weeks, and that actually is going to plan on every Tuesday when they release their uh, their issue. Of course, the, the hits the newsstands on Thursdays. If you're uh, someone who subscribes, you'll get it on today or tomorrow. But nonetheless, the report starts out with talking about 
the, the dirtiness that went on supposedly in Oklahoma State, and one of the reasons why it's really caught a lot of news is because, one, Les Miles was the head coach at Oklahoma State, and according to the report, assistant coaches Larry Porter, who is now at West Virginia and was at Oklahoma State until 2011, along with Joe DeFrost, De, DeForest, took part in systematic payments for over for over the, the whole time there while at Oklahoma State. And, and you know, parent, and the guy who wrote the article was actually on Dan Patrick's show this morning on our airwaves talking about this, and they're going to be releasing this over the fi- over five weeks. Which, when I first heard that news, is this five weeks of stuff? That's what blew my mind. <laughs> the, what blew my mind the first time I heard this was you have so much dirt compiled on Oklahoma State that you can actually move it in five different segments that include such things as, of course, the uh, sex for sex for recruits through kids, yeah. which is no real shock. I don't think to anybody. Yes, uh, drugs, cash. I mean, cars. Everything that you can think of that was that was covered by Blue Chips and Nick Nolte is being involved right now but in the, Oklahoma State. But the thing about this is now they have identified 29 players as also taking money. So then you have, for example, one of the guys they identified as taking money is quarterback Josh Fields, another guy named Tatum Bell who played in the NFL a little bit, and Darren yeah. Williams who was shot, on, shot in the limo in 2007 when he was with the Broncos. Now, Bell and others den- de- denied receiving illicit payments. He also, Josh Fields... Also went on to say that um, all the guys that were claiming a lot of this, five of those guys from between 2001 to 2003 or five, whatever it was, he said those guys are not creditable and you cannot trust those guys. He said if you thought those guys were getting paid, we were not promote, we're not prominent players instead of backups and third string guys. So here's, here's the thing: one, they have players who gave their name. Uh, Brad Gertman, who played for OSU from an 0304, told SI specifically that DeForest himself set scale for alleged payments. Uh, quarterback hurries were fifty bucks, tackles seventy five to hundred, so on and so forth, as well as another player in the O four who played another from O four to seven, Roderick Johnson, claimed as well that players were given a scale between a hundred and five hundred for special teams moves, uh player pay for play, as well as jobs that didn't commit. So one one recruit says in the article that he was paid by DeForest to go to his house to quote unquote, as I air quote Clean the house, but sit on sit on the couch and watch TV and made seven hundred dollars for this. I mean I I mean when you think about this though these kids, these are these are college kids, and what what boils what bothers me about this is in this whole situation, these guys, their job was to go to school, play football, get their education. Now you know you don't you can't afford a job while you're doing what you're doing that is working out every day, trying to perfect your craft, your perfect your craft to become the best player you could possibly be. So with that being said, my problem is okay, you knew you were going to take the money. What seventeen-year-old kid's gonna turn down seven hundred dollars for sitting somewhere for two hours? Here's the thing. Now all of a sudden you want to be a snitch? Like get out of here! And the NCAA they can never do anything unless they have what a snitch. Yeah, and now and of course some people want to claim that they're, they're, this is fabricated. I had an argument with or a discussion with somebody the other day. How often to not nine out of ten times the quote whistleblower who is being usually discredited by everybody because that's what we do in America. We discredit the person that points out the truth about something we've wrong, done in wrongdoings to, to avoid any kind of punishment. And I'm not promoting nine out of ten any times the whistleblower promote, I'm not promoting right. any, I'm not promoting any of this, by the way, if I, it's I, right or wrong. Now, so. now most of this is going to be irrelevant because there, I did not know this, actually. There's a statute of limitations for NCAA in terms of rule breaking, which I, it kind of blows my mind a little bit. So if it's happened something before four years ago, the NCAA has no no hamper on. They can't do anything about it. They find out it happened more than four years ago. It's irrelevant, which I think so is, they can't do nothing about a lot of this. Well, stuff. some of it went back to as close as 2011 with DeForest, which is why they're getting somewhat involved. And this comes back to even a little bit to earlier in, the, in a couple months ago, Perry, when I brought up the whole media local media type of thing. 
You're telling me in Stillwater? I have never been to Stillwater. I can't imagine it being a cornucopia of office buildings and 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 great you know skyscrapers. You're telling me no one in local media didn't see this occurring, didn't see this happening for years. This was going on for five, six, seven years supposedly, all during the entire Les Miles tenure. That you don't notice athletes running around with with bigger wads and, and nicer cars. No, because in these guys, Stillwater? these guys weren't doing that. This 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 was not going on. When you, if you're a guy that comes from nothing, you're not going to be running around with wads of cash on you. Like it says, okay, some players receive two thousand dollars annually, and others got ten thousand dollars. Would that be, these guys weren't giving ten grand? You don't give a college kid ten grand. Here, son, here's all ten grand. They were giving this over a lump sum. It was it was not a lump sum, but over a period of time. It was like an annual thing. It wasn't no here's ten grand. Here's another ten grand. That, that that's not the case of what happened. It's going to be interesting to see how this all develops. We're getting more a little bit just tomorrow as well. Uh, we got to get out of here though now because it is time. My man, Nick Coffee in the building looking so tan and crisp from his time in Mexico last week. Coming up with Inside the Press Box next here on uh, 1450 The Sports Buzz. Just the way that I'm dressed, ain't it? Khakis pressed, Nike shoes, crispy and fresh lace. So I guess it ain't that after shade of cologne that made him just faint. Plus I showed up with a coat, fresh and in wet paint.